chapter 8. You know, we've been going through this study in Nehemiah, and uh, it's really been a, I hope that it's been a blessing to you, it's been a blessing to me for us to be able to look at this and see what God is doing in and through uh, the life of His people. And it's a good way for us to just see how God interacted with people in the Old Testament, but it's a real correlation, or we can look at it and see how God relates to us today. Okay, And when we understand that we may not be going through the same battles that they're going through or having to rebuild the, the walls or the city as they were having to go through, but at the same token, we can see how those things are in reference to us today. Okay, And so as we look at this this morning, this is, uh, this is going to be something that we don't necessarily practice today as far as going through certain uh, feasts or, or certain um, um, Things that God had established to Moses and also to the children of Israel when they were led out of the uh, out of Egypt, and God had uh, had established some feasts with them, some customary things that they were all, they were supposed to do. Some things yearly, some things every so you know every so often, uh, and so this is one of the ones that we'll look at this morning. I'm reminded as I was looking at this passage of scripture, I was reminded of it's been about. Four years ago that we went through all the I think it was seven feasts that God had given to the nation of Israel and we had looked at those each one of those for a seven-week period I don't know if anybody remembers those uh, me and me and Jay could probably re-preach them and uh, and no one would, rem- would remember right but anyway but those uh, we went through all those and see why it was significant and why it was important So when we look this morning at chapter 8 and verse 13, we're going to see the Feast of Tabernacles and what that really meant to them. Now, when we look at this this morning, I'm quickly, all week as I was just looking at this passage of Scripture, it reminded me of the old song as, I mean, I really kind of kept singing it to myself whenever we're looking at this. Because it reminded me, I, I told my kids last Sunday when we got done, I think it was last Sunday, we're driving in the car. And I was listening to an old hymn, and when I listen to an old hymn around my kids, they look at me and they think it's just from the Stone Age. They think it's just like, what in the world are we listening to? And so from, I tell them each and every week, I said, this is the songs that we used to sing when we were in church. One of those songs was Count Your Blessings. And uh, how many of you remember singing Count Your Blessings uh, in church, okay? Uh, and so... I can hear my mom right now in my, in my ear as I was chewing gum. I remember being a teenager and singing in church uh, up on the stage. Uh, Brian, uh, Brian Mitchell was in attendance. And I remember being up there and singing a special in front of everyone. And I had gum in my mouth. And as soon as I got off, this, uh, off the platform, before my mom could even say good job, was what in the world were you up there in front of everybody, smacking on that gum while you were singing. So anyway, mom, I took out my gum. But anyway, nobody with me this morning? Okay. So uh, I was thinking about that song, Count Your Blessings, Name Them One by One. And that ver- the, the verse of that song, the first verse in the course reads this. When upon life's billows, talking about like cloud and smoke, you are tempted toss. When you are discouraged, thinking all is lost. Count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord hath done. 
Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God hath done. Count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord hath done. And so when we look at this passage of Scripture, it really just reminded me of all the blessings. It reminded me of all the blessings that God had done for the children of Israel. Not only what he, they had done, what he was in the midst of doing, and also the promises and the blessings that were to come to the nation of Israel. And that is really what we'll look at when we look at this passage of Scripture this morning, because that's what this feast is all about. It's looking back at the past, understanding what is happening in God, blessing them in the present, and what is going to happen in the future. And so the same thing is true for us. So it's not only was it true for them in the Old Testament, and not only like way in the Old Testament at the beginning, in the, uh, the beginning of the nation of Israel, not only is it true for them in the time of the time of Nehemiah and rebuilding these walls, but it's true for us today. We need to look at the past. We need to look at what's happening in the present, and we need to look to the future. And so as we look at the past, you saw that last week when Brother Jake opened up God's Word, and we opened up and we looked at Nehemiah chapter 8, and we looked at, really focused in on the first 12 verses. What happened? You see Ezra. They tell Ezra, Ezra, you're the priest, you're the scribe. Please stand up there, and please teach us from God's Word. And not only does he get up there, and they prepare a platform, and they put pre prepare a pulpit for him. It's really kind of the first mention. That's where we get the idea when you see a preacher stand up here. It's really kind of from this book, kind of from Nehemiah. And then if you grew up in a church like I did, when we opened up and actually read from God's Word, when, as in a few, few, minutes, uh, few minutes I'll read verses 18 through, uh, 13 through 18. When we do that and we would read the Scripture, we were in a, in a church where we stood up the entire time of reading God's Word, God's Scripture, and then we would sit back down. And that came from this, because you saw that in the first 13 verses, while, while he, or 12 verses, while he read Scripture, the rest of the nation of Israel actually stood during the preaching of God's Word. I don't know how long they stood on that first day. You know, it talked about that was the first day of the seventh month. I don't know how long they stood, because they were reading a lot of Scripture. Ezra was reading what they only understood as the first five books of the Bible, which was Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. I don't know how much they got into it, but not only did he preach from it, and I'm not going to re-preach Brother Jake's message, but not only did he preach from it and the people stood, and then when they sat down and he continued to teach them all those things, they, they had to go into detail and to go and to explain God's Word to them so that they could really understand it and grasp it. Okay, And so then... When that day concludes, the next day, on the second day, we'll look at that in verse 13. It says, now on the second day, the heads of the father's houses of all the people with the priests and Levites were gathered to Ezra the scribe in order to understand the words of the law. They wanted to know. They wanted to understand more. This is the second day. And now they begin to in this place of celebration. And they found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded by Moses, that the children of Israel should not dwell in tents, excuse me, not, not, that the children of Israel should dwell in, in booths during the feast of the seventh month. Let me read verse 14 again since I stumbled through it. And then they found written in the law which the Lord commanded by Moses that the children of Israel should dwell in booths during the feast of the seventh month. That feast, that time is called the feast of tabernacles or the feast of booths or the feast of tents. And during that time, God had instructed the nation of Israel, this is what you're going to do. You're in the time of the wilderness, and this is what, how you're going to act and how you're going to celebrate this season. But then later on, when they get to the book of Joshua, when they really go in there and fight for their land, they fight for their property, God gives it to them. And it's a picture in the book of Joshua when they go in there 
It's not only having uh, life as a nation, as a people, but now as, a, as when they have their land, it's now abundant life. It's really a good picture of us not only being saved, having a relationship with the Lord, but really being able to walk in the goodness of God and really dwell in those things. It's actually not having just life, but having abundant life, okay? And so when you see them walking in there, and now they're able to, later on, David is able to help Solomon and build that temple and build that real foundation for God's people to worship in, the, in that place. And no longer are they in tents and, and little uh, temporary situations in their everyday life, not only as a people, but also as a nation, not only in their own personal home life, but also as a nation when they worship. Let me make this a little bit more clear for you. David, when he was, when David, whenever he was uh, uh, thinking about the tabernacle, he makes a statement, not only to the uh, prophet, but he also makes a statement later on to God. He said, God, why is it fair that I live in such a beautiful home, in a palace, but yet the, the place of worship is still in a tent, in a temporary setting. He says, God, I need to build you a house, a beautiful place, a, a place that is actual, uh, uh, made with, with stones, a, a place that is, that, is, that is permanent. And God says, great idea, but you're not going to build it. Your son Solomon is going to build it. So not only does Solomon build that temple and then dedicates it to the Lord, but now the nation of Israel, the people are no longer living in temporary structures, and the place of worship is no longer a temporary structure. Okay? And so what God institutes is this thing right here, this feast called the Feast of Tabernacles. And what's happening here in verse 14, he says, listen, during this time, he says, and they found in the law which the Lord had commanded, uh, commanded by Moses that the children of Israel should dwell in booths, in tents, in, ta in, in temporary structures during the Feast of the Seventh Month. And he says, listen, this is what I want you to do. He goes, I want you, you have a house, you have these walls, you have the temple, you have all of these things, all these great structures, but he says, now I want you for this one week to go and live in this temporary setting all over again. So guess what the people would do? It continues to tell us here in verse 15 that they should announce and proclaim in all the cities and in Jerusalem saying, go out to the mountain. He says, I want you to go out there and bring olive branches, branches of oil, uh, oil trees, uh, myrtle uh, branches, palm branches, and branches of, of leafy trees to make booths as it is written. And he says, listen, I want you to go out there into the mountains. I want you to go out there into the, in this place of wilderness. He goes, I want you to remember the place where you came from. He goes, it's important for you not to forget the desperate places that you were in. He says, the nation of Israel, you remember the story, the nation of Israel comes out of Egypt, right? They were, they were in bondage for years. And you understand whenever uh, Pharaoh finally said, let my, you know, and, and Moses said, Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh finally had enough with it and let them go. And they passed through the Red Sea and they get on the other side. There was a quick journey to get to Israel. But God knew that they were not prepared for that first battle. So God takes them a different route. And because of their diso continual disobedience, they were in that wilderness and desert area for, area for 40 years years. And then a whole generation dies off before they're able to enter into the promised land of God had promised them 40 years prior. And so God is telling them here and reminding the people of Nehemiah 
Listen, you need to understand what this celebration is about. He says you need to remember the 40 years. You need to remember what God was doing in those 40 years and how God has now given you this land. God has put you in in permanent homes. God has put you in a place of permanent structure as a place of worship. And you don't need to forget those things. And he tells us here in this place, I'm going to read in verse 15 again, go out to the mountain, bring in all these different branches and, and leafy trees to make booths, as it is written in verse 16. Then the people went out and brought them and made themselves booths. Each one, of, each one, listen where they put them at, on the roof of his house. He was to make this structure. There were some people that were putting it on the flat roof of their house. They were making a tent, a, a temporary place to stay for one week. Just as they had been in the 40 years in the wilderness in this place of tent, in this temporary structure, now you're not even going to live in your house. It's kind of like when we were during the storm. Some of us, was we have a pool house, thank the Lord. We were in our pool house, making that a temporary structure for us. Some of you were in camp, or some of you were in other people's homes. Some of you were out of, out, of, out of place in your own home, or making it work with no electricity in your home. Whatever the case is, we, we know a little bit about that. But God says, listen, I, don't, I want you to be in this place where you are going to put yourself back in a situation. Don't be in your home of that, of that permanent structure. I want you to be back in these tents. And he says some of them not only were on their housetops, some were in the courtyard, some were in the court of the house of God, and some were in the open square of the water gate. Talking about around these walls and all these different gates in the city. And some were in the open square at the gate of Ephraim. And he says, listen, I want you to live this way. For us as a church, it reminds me because today is November the 5th. I'm not just telling you dates, but November the 5th, 2023. Six years ago to this calendar date, November 5th, 2017, was our first official meeting as Cross Point Community Church. And in that place, we would not be able to fit in my old home uh, in Hargrove. We would not be able to fit this group of people in that living room uh, this morning. Thank the Lord. But it would be like us going back and living or worshiping in that structure. Or just a couple weeks later of how we were in the living room, or not the living room, but the children were in the living room. But we were in the, the, the shop of, uh, of J.T. Thorne's home, J.T. and Julie Thorne. We were in their home, in their shop. And thank the Lord we couldn't be in there this morning either. We couldn't fit in there. And then we were also, just a few weeks later, we were in Bartrellos, just right almost across the street from where we're at this morning. And that would be a tight squeeze as well this morning. Uh, then we were uh, at the middle school uh, for a couple years, tearing down and setting up in the cafeteria. And uh, very grateful and thankful for that situation. But, you know, that was, that was very temporal as well. And that was very temporary. We've also met in the, in the front yard of my home. We've also met uh, at, at my home. Uh, we've also met at, at, um, at Nichols' parking lot. Uh, we've met in a lot of different places. And now we're, we're here meeting here. And God has uh, instituted all of those different things. But I think about also in my family. You know, in the home that we're in now. Or maybe going back to the time when we, when we first started out. Of, of understanding, you know what, sometimes we get so blindsided of all the things that are not going well for us right now. We get so blindsided by what's not going good for us right now that we cannot remember the beginning. We cannot remember the beginning and all the strides and all the lessons and all the things that God has given us and how really blessed we are 
right here and right now. And so God says, God does this for a reason. God says, listen, I want you to remember where you've come from. I want you to remember those struggles. I want you to do that in a way of celebration as, as you have this yearly celebration. He says, as you come together and as you now are going to live in tents for a week. And he goes, because it's a time of remembrance. It's a time to really count your blessings and name them one by one. And so as we look at this, continuing on in verse 16, he says this is where they, they were going to be at. In verse 17 it says, So the whole assembly of those who had returned from the captivity made booths and sat under the booths. Since, for since the days of Joshua, the son of Nun, until the day the children of Israel had not done so. Now, in some of the commentary that I was reading on this, they say, you know what? It was still being done, but I don't believe it was done in a celebration like it had been done during the time of Joshua. In the time of Joshua, they were really able to celebrate because they could see not only what God had done up to this point, because, man, they knew the situation had been completely different. When the time of Joshua, they were able to really get into their own home and their own, their, their own property and really stake it out for themselves. And they knew what they had, and it was theirs. It was no longer just a promise, but now it was theirs. And so when they got to really celebrate this Feast of Tabernacles, Boy, it was really a celebration. They were able to really see and count their blessings. But when things are not going your way and there's things that are happening and there's, for the, for the people of Nehemiah, they had just gone through a long time of captivity and then now their, their walls and their city and everything that they had known had been in just ruins and, and destruction. And when your life is in that situation, you may go through the routine. You may go through some of the feasts that God is talking about, and you may go in and, and as we talk about, just kind of play church or play happiness or play joy. And, and you may go through some of those steps, but are you really in a place of celebration? Now that the walls are back up and the city was being restored and, and the word got out and, and the gates are now open, I mean, are, are now open because they're built and, they're, and, and the wall I mean, and the wall and the city is now secure and things are really just starting to happen again. And so now when they celebrate this, it's no longer just going through the routine. It's a real celebration. They're really able to celebrate as God has intended for them to celebrate. So when they get back in that, in that tent on top of their house or in there in their open square and they're living in that tent for a week, they're just like, you know what? God has really been good to us. God has been good to us. But what about all the time of, of loss? What about all the time of destruction? What about all of those times? And they just start counting their blessings one by one. Yes, God has brought us through all those things, but in the midst of sorrow... They still had joy. And they're able to really celebrate it and, and really understand it even more when they're in, put themselves in that situation of that time of in the booths, in the, in the time of those temporary structures, in those tents. And so he tells them, and he continues on, I should say, in verse 17 and finishes off. I left it off for a reason. It says, and there was very great gladness. Now, I love how it just, it doesn't, it goes in that little extra for us right there. It doesn't just say that the people were glad. It's very great gladness. The people were really in a place of, ce of celebration and excitement because they understood what God was really doing for them in this period. 
They understood not only the past, they understood of how God had brought them through all these different things as a people. They understood now in the present of what was happening. Now you got to understand there's people that really believe that when the timing of different things are happening, uh, of, this, of this feast of tents and, and, and all these different festivals that were happening, many people believe, I mean we understand it in our calendar, that this would have happened in about mid-September uh, mid into the beginning of, or end of September, excuse me, to the middle of October, that this uh, festival uh, would have happened. And it would have happened in this ninth month from the 15th day through the 21st day, okay? Uh, seven days that it would, the feast would have happened, and then it would have been a time of celebration. And what they were doing was, it was really during the time of harvest. It was a time to celebrate of all the many blessings that God had given to them. It was a time of harvest. It was a time to really gather. It's like our Thanksgiving time of really gathering and being thankful for all the things that God had done. And so in that timing of it, it, it's a really, not only was it timing in their season and God had that place in celebration for them, but it was really fitting in timing. The timing was right whenever they read from the scripture and they realized, boy, we really need to implement this and we really need to celebrate it the way it's meant to be celebrated. Now, I want us to understand as they're celebrating this in this place of harvest is what God had given them. So not only is celebrating the past, but now they're celebrating the present and they're celebrating all the things that God had given to them. Now, I tell people all the time, you got to be very careful when you're talking about God in a situation of, you know, I, I want, I want, I want, I'm in, it, I'm in this relationship with you, God, because of all the things that you can really give me. Then I always tell people, listen, God is then is no longer, uh, no more than a glorified Santa Claus. I want, I want, I want. Will you give me this? We were, we were in Hobby Lobby yesterday, and thank the Lord, I came out with my, I still had my wallet, you know, I still had a little bit of money. No, anybody with me, guys? No? Okay, so anyway, Hobby Lobby, and there was like 20 signs that kept on saying, Santa, stop here, you know, like, please stop here. Glorified Santa Claus. That, that's sometimes what we make God out to be is that, God, I just want you to hear me. I just want you to hear me, and, and when you hear me, I just want you to give towards me. That's it. I just want you to give towards me. Uh, give me something. And uh, my grandmother still, she's about 85, she still tells this story that uh, whenever she used to ask me as a kid if I wanted to go to the store with her, and the first words out of my mouth was, what are you going to buy me? What are you going to give me? If I go to the store, you're telling me that there's candy involved, you're telling me there's some kind of toy, something that you're going to give me, then yes, I am there. But if I'm just going for the ride, just for the fellowship uh, with my grandmother, like, count me out. I'm going to stay back at the house, right? But we understand when God, when we're talking about this and about the goodness and the celebration and the harvest, we need to thank him for all the things that he's given us. But above all those things, we need to thank him for him. We need to thank him for him. We don't need to lose sight of the gifts that we're getting and lose sight of, uh, when we see all the gifts that we lose sight of the giver. The giver is the one that that's the, where, where the relationship is. When we're going through the difficult times or we're going through the good times in celebration, 
It's about celebrating Him because He's the one that's good to us. In dark times, in light, in times of light and celebration, it's God that we need to cling to. It's God in that relationship to know that that's what it's all about. And when we really grow up, and when I look at my grandmother, it's not about the gifts anymore. It's about the special relationship. It's not about what she gave me. It's about who she is. And so for us, we need to remember how special. Because when we go through dark times and when we go through, you know, sometimes, sometimes, honestly, when you look through Scripture, it says rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And guess what? Sometimes it's, re- it's hard to rejoice with people that are rejoicing. Because sometimes we get really jealous about it. But we need to, you know, and, and even times of good and even times of bad, we need to remember that God is the one that's there for us. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. And so the thing is, even in times of plenty and the times of few, we need to make sure that we're close to God because he wants to be close to us no matter what the situation is. So we need to not forget who the giver is. And so as we're taking in all of these great things from God, as we're taking in all of these great things, and it's a special relationship that we have with him. That's what he's trying to show them, not only in the past, not only in the present, but also in the future. He tells them in verse 18, also day by day, from the first day, he's talking about of this feast, the seven days, they start out on the Sabbath day. Okay, They start out on the Saturday for them, which is the Sabbath day. They start out on that day and they go all the way to the Friday. That's the actual time of the Feast of Tents, the, the, the Feast of Tabernacles, okay? And then, on that, and then they finish off the whole entire thing, the whole entire celebration, excuse me, on the eighth day, okay? So that is the, week, that's the next Sabbath day. They are not to work. All they are to do is celebrate. And so what he's telling them here in this verse, in verse 18, he says, also day by day, from the first day until the last, he read from the book of the law of God, and he kept the feast seven days, and on the eighth day there was a sacred assembly according to the prescribed manner. And so what he was telling them to do is not only is it important for us to take in all the things of God, but you see and through Scripture, and if you do a little research into, the, into the, uh, this Feast of Tabernacles, that they were also to give to other people. When we're taking in, it's important for us to be giving out as well. And so he's telling us here, he's telling us and showing us that we ought to look at the past, understand of all the things that God has given to us, understand the present, all the things that God is still giving to us and doing in our midst, and also how we can see the things of Christ. I'm going to talk about this just a little bit more. But if how all the things that are going to happen and how we look and anticipate the return of Christ and how we are to live in those truths about and God's promises. But also when we're taking in and we're getting from God, it's not just for us to just take and just to sit and just to gather more and more things, but it's also of God using us as instruments and vessels so that we can be the people that are being used by God in other people. And so we don't just get to just keep, we get to continue to give. And so God is telling us and showing us that this is what this Feast of Tabernacles was all about. And this is the proper way of celebrating it. And so as we see this, I can just, 
I mean, I can just really imagine the people in a real place of celebration and understanding all the things that God had given them. And so, in some of the other feasts that God had, whether it was the Passover, which was, we remember the story of the Passover of how if you had the blood written on the, you know, on the doorposts and the, the death angel would come by, and if you had that blood on the doorpost, then that oldest child was saved, meaning that you did what you were supposed to do. But if you didn't, the death angel would come by and, uh, and would take the oldest, oldest uh, son from the home. But it was a, it was a place of, of remembrance when they got to continue to celebrate the Passover years, you know, each and every year. It was a time to really, in this Passover, to remember what God had done for them. And it was a picture of the death of Christ, of how God was our sacrifice for us. It was no longer the lamb's blood that was on the doorpost, but now it was the Lord Jesus Christ on the doorpost of our heart. Then another a feast was the unleavened bread. In order for us to really take on what the Lord Christ had done for us on the cross and his blood shed for us, the only way that we can accept that is the unleavened bread. That means there's no leaven in it, there's no sin, there's nothing puffed up in our life. That's a picture of our sin and how it's because of our pride that we cannot enter into a relationship with God. Once we understand and once we ask God for forgiveness of our sins and we're no longer in this place of pride in our life and being puffed up, that leaven is no longer there, then we can really accept and understand the atonement that has been placed upon us through that Passover, through the Lord Jesus Christ. Then we understand another feast where it talks about the Feast of Weeks. And really it talks about the day of Pentecost. And it talks about that is a time that you, in this feast, it's understanding what it is to really have a relationship with God and have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. So it's no longer, not only the Old Testament, the, uh, the past, as far as what God has already done for you in this place of atonement, but it's also in the present, in the place of understanding how God is, has sent His Spirit to us. When we have a relationship with the, God, with the Lord, He gives us His Spirit to live inside of us, to help us, to not leave us nor forsake us. When we feel all alone, we're not alone because His Spirit indwells inside of us if we are a believer. He says the Holy Spirit is there not only as a comforter, the Holy Spirit is there as to teach us how to pray. Because we're, we're not smart enough, I'm telling you, we're not smart enough to know how to pray to a holy God. We don't know what to pray for. We don't know how to pray. The Bible says the only reason that only way you know how to pray is the leading of the Holy Spirit. He knows us how to, how to, he teaches us, he guides us, he instructs us. The Holy Spirit does, the third person of the Trinity. He is there to show us these things and that is in the presence. That is now. And then he also tells us about the second coming in this place of Feast of Tabernacles. It's to say, you know what? I'm living in this temporal situation, but I know that there's something better for me. I know that in the future, God is coming back for me in the second coming. I know he's going to establish his earthly kingdom and a new heaven and a new earth in, with me because of my future plans that God has for me also. And so all of these things, all of these things are so important for us to understand of how not only God does so many great things for us in the past and how we can learn from it and celebrate it, but also in the present that we would know and understand and count our blessings. Because sometimes in the present, in the right here, right now, 
we lose sight of it. And understand that God, one of the greatest things, do you understand when we really, in this present time, the Old Testament, I say this very, I say this a lot, but I want us to understand this, that the Old Testament saints would have loved to have been in our situation because of the full indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I mean, we can get real technical and understand of how the Holy Spirit and the, and the responsibility and the way the Holy Spirit dwelt in the, and lived in our lives in the Old Testament, it was at different times and periods on people's lives. And then on the day of Pentecost, it, he came into believers and he says that, we, you know, it's not a time of losing him and, and keeping him and all of those different things that we are baptized with the Holy Spirit at a time of salvation. Okay, And so we can live in that place and God moving in and through our lives. And the reason I bring all that up is because a lot of times we just we live in a place of defeat and a place of, of not understanding who's with us and who's leading us and who's guiding us. And I want us to understand that about the Holy Spirit. And so the last thing that I'm going to say this morning, because I'm really done, I was, the three things that I really wanted to point out for us. But I think it's important and I'm done, is to understand God's favor in our lives. And I pray for this pretty often in my life. It's because there's, I can can go on and on and on and to tell you of how things, of things I don't deserve. And not only for us who feel like we don't deserve some things, there's things that we do and things that are happen to us that we don't understand why did these things happen to me? I don't deserve those things to happen to me. And the word and the key thing for me is favor. When God just shows favor to you, maybe in times of, of you're just going, you know, think about Mary as she's just a virgin girl and there was nothing unique or special about her, but God showed favor to her. And so before anything crazy happened in her life, God just gave her favor. But I think about when we do go through different things and we're trying to navigate through life and bad things are happening to us and difficult situations are happening of how God can still show favor in our life. And it says here, and I just pull this out because I thought it had some significance when it talks about favor. In verse 16, the last word in verse 16 is Ephraim. And some of the kids in here will, can tell you who Ephraim is if you don't know who he is, but Joseph had two boys. And one of those two boys was Ephraim. There was Manasseh and Ephraim. And You know, when I started thinking about him, it says that it was at the gate of Ephraim when all these one of the all these uh, these tents were being placed. Some of them were there. And I just really wanted to and I'm going to be done. I just want to talk about, like I said, about favor for just a second. There was no reason why this boy got had favor on his life. He was the second of Joseph's two boys. And, and Joseph had placed him in front of his daddy for Manasseh to be on the right side 
and Ephraim to be on the left side. And if you know anything about Jewish tradition, when he was to turn to his right side, he should have given the full blessing, the major blessing, to that oldest boy. But yet what, what, what Jacob does when he's blessing Joseph's boys, he actually turns his hands like this. And for whatever reason, because he knew what was going to happen, because God was giving him the insight, he actually blesses Ephraim more than he was. He showed favor to Ephraim more than he did to Manasseh. God gave him favor, and he really didn't have to give him favor. And then you think about Ephraim and Manasseh's daddy, Joseph, and of how Joseph had the favor from his father. He had favor from him, and he was the one that had given him the coat of many colors. Why did he give him that favor? He loved that son, and he gave him favor. And it's something special when God just, his eyes look upon you. And he tells us that just as we, just as God, when he looks at his son, he looks at his darling son. That he has favor upon his son. And when we're under the Lord Jesus Christ, the same favor that God shows his son, he wants to show us. So not only was Joseph shown favor, I can go on. I can tell you about his, Joseph's mom, Rachel, how she was shown favor. Of how when, when Jacob was looking for a wife that he goes and he sees Rachel and she's beautiful and he wants her. But the daddy doesn't let, her have, let, let him have her. He wants him to have the oldest daughter, Leah. And then he ma makes her marry Leah. Then later on he has to fight years later to marry the one he wanted. The one that he showed favor to. Jacob himself was shown favor as well. How, how he was able to maneuver to get his brother's birthright from him so, God could, if, so his daddy could show him favor. And on and on, Abraham, what was Abraham doing? Abraham was just a man living and tending his sheep and working in his own country. And God says, Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation. He goes, the people who bless you, I'm going to bless. The people who curse you, I'm going to curse. Abraham didn't do anything special. Abraham wasn't anybody special. God had simply just showed him favor. And so for us this morning, as we conclude, say, God, I understand of all the blessings that you had given me in the past. God, I understand the things that you're doing for me right now in the present. And I need to be conscious. I need to be aware of those things. But also, God, in the future, as I know you have promises for me in the, in the future, God, I need and want your favor in my life. And I hope that's our prayer this morning. I hope that we see what God was wanting to show them in this special place and time. In their life, we need to understand that in our hearts and lives as well. So that we could really be true to who, what God is wanting to do in our life. Let me say that again. God is wanting to do great things in our life. And we need to be true to that. We don't need to be doing our own thing, going our own way, not living in those promises, not living in those truths. And, and allowing the enemy and allowing ourselves to let, leave us in a place of defeat in the past. But understanding God's blessings that he has for us in the past, in the, in the present, and also in the future. And in our daily life, just asking God, is the reason I brought it up, in our daily life, just asking God, God, would you be just so gracious to me? God, would you just show favor to me? Not because I deserve it. God, I just, I want you. In that favor, in that blessing, is just more time with the Lord. 
And so that's why I ask those things. That's why I ask for his favor in my life, because I want God's life to be present in mine. And so I want to pray for us this morning. Lord God, we love you and we praise you, Lord. We just thank you so much, Lord God, as our worship team comes uh, today, Lord God, and just leads us in this time of response. I pray, Lord, that we would just really be in a place of reflection. Lord God, not only in reflection to see all the great things that you have done in our life. I, you know, uh, as the old saying, Lord, I'm, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm sure not where I used to be. And I pray, Lord God, in, the, in that place, Lord God, in the, in the place of in my past and how you have, uh, have you've done so many good things. And I can see how your hand has been there in my life. Whether good, whether, whether difficult situations, Lord God, but you have been present in that place. And I can see how you didn't leave me then. And I can see the, the things that I prayed for, the things I desired, Lord God. Some of them have really come to pass. Some of them didn't come to pass because they didn't need to come to pass. And this, in, in the place of the present, Lord God, of just being able to really celebrate your goodness, celebrate the harvest and the blessings that we would really begin to count them one by one. Even when life is crazy and there's a, a cloud around us, Lord God, where we can't see your goodness, but we can just stop and begin to thank you for all the many things that we can think of and the things that we can remember of all the things that you have given us, Lord God, that we'd be thankful for. That we remember, Lord God, we're not just thankful for the gifts, Lord God, but we're also thankful for the giver. Lord, you have so many great things ahead of us that you want to see us accomplish for your honor and for your glory before our time here is done. And I pray through those things, Lord God, that we would just continue to walk in your ways, Lord God, and we would ask for that favor in you. Will your light shine upon me, Lord God, that I would have favor with you, Lord God. I'd have favor with men, people around me, and I'd have favor, Lord God, just even in my heart between me and you. That you would choose to use me, Lord God. You would cross the hands where I would be the one that you're shaking the hand with, Lord God. And, and given the promises that you're wanting to use me just because I, my heart is open to you. I pray that's where we find ourselves this morning, Lord God. In a place of response. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's all stand this morning. Let's continue to worship the Lord in our time of response and really just give our hearts.